the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's a piece I hope you'll enjoy from my friend, Dennis Prager. I want to welcome Christopher Caldwell. He's a regular contributor to the Atlantic Monthly and the Claremont Review of Books. And he is also the assistant managing editor of the American Spectator. I want to talk to him about the uh, the prime minister of Hungary, who was regularly called a, sort of a neo-fascist, right, far right winger. And he knows more about uh, Viktor Orban than almost anyone I know. Christopher Caldwell, welcome to my show. Well, thank you, Dennis. Thank you for having me. But before we go on, uh, is are you sort of an anomaly at the Atlantic Monthly? Well, you know, actually, I, was, I, I wanted to point out, it's been quite a while since I've written um, uh, for the Atlantic. I, I don't know um, uh, who uh, has been telling me what I've been up to, but I, 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 I used to write for them quite a lot. Um, uh, but I haven't written them in, in, in some years. Same yeah, okay. Uh, all right. Good. That's I was, what I thought. I was at, okay, go on. I was, at the, I was at the American Spectator, but now I'm at the Claremont Review, which is where this article... Okay, good. I, by the way, yeah. I consider the Claremont Review of Books one of the most important journals being written. I told the editor that in person, and I'm happy to say it on the radio. I'm uh, delighted to hear it. No, no. The, the writing there is... is magnificent on very important subjects it doesn't sound sexy folks but if you love ideas and information the claremont review of books is one of the five top journals being written today in my opinion so okay so let me so uh, regularly the prime minister of hungary is called a neo-fascist uh, and similar things even neo-nazi what what is the story? Tell first, give the facts to people. What party is he? Where is he? Where is he from politically, etc.? Right. Well, where he originally comes from politically is anti-communism. Um, Orban uh, was born in um, 1963, I, I believe, and and so when the wall came down in 1989, was a he was just finishing his studies. And he wound up being, of all the anti-communists in Hungary at the time, um, the most radical, the one who said the Soviets need to leave now. Um, and, that, and that was actually kind of rare in Hungary because there had been kind of a modus vivendi with the Soviets since the 1956 uh, revolution. Right. It was, so called, Hungarian- it was called goulash communism. That's right. So the Hungarians had a slightly more liberal version of um, mm-hmm. of communism, but Orban didn't want to compromise with it at all. And if I can just fast forward, he he got elected in 1998. He became prime minister at the age of 35 years old on a basically kind of Reaganite sort of free market 
program. Um, I think that in terms of policies, he had a, uh, a successful first term as, as prime minister, but he was booted out in 2002. And when he returned to power eight years later, he had a much more uh, sort of like conservative, conservative, more Christian, a little more Trumpian kind of conservatism than he'd had at the turn of the century. Uh, and he was, he was anti-immigration. He wanted to maintain Hungary's autonomy in making uh, uh, its own e uh, economic policy. And so he began to stand up to the European Union on those two things, and that's why he came to be called a rightist and an extremist and that sort of thing. That's it. That's very interesting. Uh, this is very interesting. Uh, now putting two and two together. For the New York Times and the BBC, etc., if you do, if you stand up to the European Union, you're a sort of fascist. The Atlantic, ironically, for which Christopher Caldwell used to write, just, uh, let's see, just last month had a piece titled The Most Dangerous Man in the European Union, and it's about Viktor Orban. So uh, I now get it. You're a right-wing neo-fascist if you want independence within or outside of the European Union, just like uh, Nigel Farage is dismissed as a, as a, a crackpot right-wing fanatic for the for being in favor of Brexit. So is that their biggest, uh, well, that and I guess his view toward immigration. He didn't accept the EU's plan on distributing all these immigrants uh, evenly among EU nations. Is that right? Can I have Christopher Caldwell, please? That's right. But, I, you know, um, the article you mentioned in the um, Atlantic, I believe, is, is by Franklin Four, who's a, who's a journalist I have quite a lot of respect for, even if, if I don't um, always see... No, actually, it was... No, wait, hold on. It was by yeah. Paul Lenve. Oh, well, okay. uh, I, uh, now, he's a, now, he's a very anti-Orban Hungarian author who usually writes in German. He lives in uh, he lives in Austria, uh, and I haven't I haven't read that one. So I was I, I was going to talk about um, I was going to talk about uh, the other article, but let's let's stick with um, with migration here. Yes, um, it was it was migration that sort of um, you know any assertion of national prerogatives against those of Brussels and the European Union is resented and. Um, and does often get characterized as um, as radical, but it was really in Orbán's case it really was migration that brought things to a head. And specifically, in the uh, summer of 2015, when you had you know a number of things started happening, the um, uh, a large number of of refugees from the Syrian war decided they wanted to start moving north. And once they weren't stopped, they were joined by other people. Um, and pretty soon you had a large stream of humanity crossing uh, southeastern uh, Europe. You may, may remember having seen a little bit of, the, of that on TV. If you look at a map of southeastern Europe, the place where you enter the European Union, you have to go through Greece, but when you exit Greece, you re-enter 
the main part of the European Union at Hungary. So Hungary was the front line. Uh, they had. Uh, wait, wait, wait! Forgive me. Wait, wait. I, I, I'm yeah. trying. Uh, picturing the map, Hungary is yeah. is landlocked. So wouldn't you first uh, go through? I, I would assume uh, Bulgaria. Yeah. So you go through. You go through. Generally, Greece is the route. They I know, but after Greece, Greece, yeah. Right, Greece, but 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 no. Generally, they went through from Greece. They went up into the. Um, into the Balkan countries, so into ex-Yugoslavia through Montenegro, um, Serbia, Croatia, and then into Hungary. I see. Okay. Um, oh, I get it. Okay. Uh, so, so it wasn't it, first Hungary, the, right? Oh, that's all I was trying the, to... Okay. The, right. I get so it. The, the hot, the really hot border was between between Serbia and Hungary. Okay. Now, under the European Union's um, rules... Um, they have an agreement called the Dublin Agreement after the city in which the treaty was agreed, which is in order to keep everyone from claiming asylum in the most generous welfare states of Europe. That is, if you had open asylum rules, everyone would claim their asylum in either Germany or Sweden. So they have these Dublin rules, which says you are only allowed to claim asylum in the first country in which you set foot in the European Union. And that meant that Hungary was liable for all of these people, at least according to the law. And that really was... Well, all right, so here, I, 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 I just don't fully follow. Why wouldn't it have been Serbia or Croatia? Because Serbia, well, Croatia is in the same boat. Croatia is a sort of a, a semi-member of the EU. Serbia is not in the EU. These laws don't apply to okay, it. Okay, so that, okay, so, good. You answered the question. Okay, go ahead. So Serbia... Serbia took the attitude that a lot of countries, both inside and outside of the, the, the EU, took, which is waving these people through. The one thing Serbia, I mean, there were eventually, there were about 1.5 million people on the road in, in, in that summer, and more waiting to come. And what happened um, is that, that as it became clear that the Syrians were not being stopped on their way north into Europe, they started being joined by other people. You got Lebanese, and then you got Iraqis, and then you got Iranians, and you got Afghanis, and then you got Pakistanis and Bangladeshis. And I, I was reporting on this um, this movement in the in the late summer of um, 2015, and it was a real wave. And at the very height of it, in the first days of September in that year, um, two things happened. One is. Angela Merkel said, that Angela Merkel, the Chancellor of Germany, said that in the interest of humanity, they could take six or 800,000 of these people. Germany eventually got many more. Germany got probably a, a million and a half of them. And other countries got, uh, got many more, too. But Merkel's invitation um, really intensified this flow, and it became a major, it became a major problem. Two things happened. One is Angela Merkel invited further migration and committed Germany and, by extension, Europe to welcoming more migrants from the Middle East. At the, when that happened, it was Viktor Orban who said, you know, Germany is welcome to make its own uh, uh, migration policy, but we don't care to go along. And that divided Europe into two camps. Um, uh, uh, Orban now leads the smaller, um, but the faster growing of those two camps. 
Right. Okay. The anti the anti increased immigration uh, group. Okay. Right. So okay. So I just during the break I read the article in the Atlantic that I cited to you, uh, the anti Orban article, and it's clear to me that what really disturbs everyone from the New York Times to the Atlantic Monthly to the BBC to the Guardian is he's a nationalist. And nationalism is equated with neo-fascism. Is that a fair summary? I, I, I think nationalism is a very big part of it. And, and I think you're right that it does often. People do not draw fine distinctions about about nationalism. Right, right. So what they want is is Europe to basically become Europe and nations to lose their identities. That's And that's the agenda. And Orban is against that. I'm not saying he's a, he's a saint. Nobody is a saint, especially in politics. But uh, uh, that's the way it is. Um, okay, one final quickie. Uh, they say that he's become a multimillionaire while in office. Is that accurate? Um, you know, I don't know, and that's something that I don't have. Okay, fair I don't enough. Have access to Hungarian bank records. Um, I repeated. I, I, I repeated what I have heard credibly reported in the press that he and people around him have grown richer, but I don't really have any insight on it. Okay. In particular. Christopher Caldwell, I enjoy your writing, and thank you for coming on. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.